0: Chapter 1. If you have your Bible with you, you can use the Pew Bible that should be in front of you. The gospel of Jesus Christ proclaims the only message, the only means that can give us salvation. And when God makes the declaration that the gospel is His power for salvation, because the gospel reveals the righteousness that God requires, can only be obtained. By faith in Jesus. He's not only telling us. How we can be saved. He's also telling us. What cannot save us. What will not save us. Something is so. Spiritually corrupted in us. We're not talking about. Sometimes I tell lies. Sometimes I do bad things. Sometimes I don't do what I should do. and We're we're going way beyond this. This morning. Something is so imagine that's not primarily why Jesus Christ had to die on a cross because God doesn't like the bad things that we do something is so spiritually corrupted in us that if salvation was simply a matter of making the right decisions or the right decision we would never make that decision The nature of sin, why we sin, reveals why the gospel that brings salvation relies on grace through faith alone, in Christ alone, and not at all on our own works or intentions or desires, no matter how serious they may be, to be a good person. In Romans 1, the Apostle Paul reveals that all sin is idolatry. Let me say that again. All sin is idolatry. The reason that sin is sin is not because God is grumpy, but because sin is worshiping something other than God. From the biggest sins that you can think of, whatever these would be to you, to the small sins, so to speak, things like gossip and complaining and murmuring and grumbling and disobeying our parents, we sin... Because we are idol worshipers by nature. All of us. We make idols out of everything. And then we bow down and worship what we've made. Worship comes out in the time we give to something. The fact that we give money to certain things. Desires to certain things. Our love and adoration and all to certain things. Our dependence on things to give us something that we don't believe. At least in that moment, God is able to. To provide us with, and on and on the list goes. All that God is worthy of, we give to other things because we are idolaters by nature. This is what Romans reveals about us. Sin is God's punishment on us, the Bible teaches. For pursuing our own desires. This means that the reason we can't gain salvation on our own is not mainly legal and it isn't mainly forensic. And so if we just know what to do as opposed to what not to do, and that's what Christianity is, as many think of or perceive it, right? That it's simply a matter of doing good things and not doing bad things. We think that if we know what we should do and have the ability to carry it out, we'll be okay. Hopefully we can choose more good than bad over the course of our lives or choose good more often than bad. And God will accept us if we try really hard because it doesn't matter what anybody says they believe. Everybody knows there's a God and every single person on the earth knows they are accountable to him. This is what the Bible clearly teaches. Paul reveals here that sin is a problem of our nature, not mainly our knowledge or our Behavior. We do not want to worship God. We want to worship anything and everything else, and that is why we sin. All of our sins are for that reason. Sin is misplaced worship. This is a crucial text this morning for understanding the centrality and indispensability of the gospel to everything, including the church. God gave us up to our own free wills as an expression of his wrath. That's what the Bible teaches. Because left to our own free wills, all we are ever going to choose is to serve and therefore worship ourselves. He makes it so only the gospel, only his rescue will save us. We are way worse off than we think we are. Way worse off way more desperate, way more unable, way more evil than we could ever possibly imagine. We can't do anything to save ourselves precisely because in His wrath, God has given us over to decide for ourselves. And since we're idolaters by nature, we will never choose Him without divine rescue and intervention. Ever. Not a person you know that's a Christian is a Christian because of themselves. We will need to be rescued. We will need a gospel. So the gospel that brings salvation has to do much more than tell us the difference between wrong and right. Or give us instructions on how to live properly. Since we've been given over to our free wills, and our free wills are selfish And we choose to suppress God and his worth. The gospel ultimately seeks to redeem us from our natures. To redeem us from ourselves. We are why we sin against God. Sin is idolatry. It is worshiping idols. Everything changes when we begin to understand that that's what all sin is is. That's why we're committing it. That's why we're doing it. That's why God addresses it with wrath and then with the gospel. We need rescued from ourselves because we're so spiritually corrupted. We knowingly and willingly incur God's wrath to serve our own desires because we want them that badly since by our own choice we have fatally exchanged the glory of God for lies evidenced by our own sinfulness. The only rescue for us is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. Let me pray and we'll head into this text. Father, I pray that you would do a miracle of your grace and enable me to speak clearly so that everyone in here can understand. So that everyone in here by your spirit is convicted of their need for Christ. I pray this for the Christians and the non-Christians. And for the preacher. For his sins are many. And his knowledge is horribly limited. So please help me. And help all who hear. Save this day. Save. I beg you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Them is humanity here. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature... and Creeping things and he'll get to A very specific example Of that in just a few Verses but Paul is explaining here He's told us why he's writing Told us the centrality the supremacy The power of the gospel He's explaining the nature of Sin now for the world to see Why do we Sin because again Why we sin Tells us why the gospel Is our only hope for redemption. Sin is fundamentally a refusal to worship God. Sinners, unbelievers, can be very moral, very well behaved, but to deny God the worship that is His is what condemns us. While the gospel reveals the righteousness of God from heaven, bringing grace that leads to faith on the earth, we learn now that sin reveals God's wrath from heaven, bringing impurity that leads to idolatry on earth and condemnation for eternity. The gospel has been revealed by God as his solution to the wrath that humankind is experiencing now in our sinfulness and will experience forever in judgment without repentance. Paul tells us that God's wrath is perpetually being poured out against the ungodliness and unrighteousness of people all the time who by their unrighteousness, by their sinfulness, are suppressing the truth. We don't sin in neutrality. We are actively suppressing the truth of something, of anything, God's truth, when we sin. We are telling Him, no, you're wrong and this is right. Sin is the suppression of what we know about God. It's the suppression of what we know the truth to be. It is the deliberate, ongoing attempt to suppress the truth that comes from God. We are all a part of cancel culture. That's very easy to call out and to judge because it's annoying and ridiculous, no question. But we're all in on it. We are all trying to cancel the truth 24-7. That's what sin is. I will silence it. I will erase it from my memory. I'll do what I want to do, and I don't care what the cost is. The reason we're actively trying to suppress the truth with our unrighteousness, implying that all sin is based in the lies we tell ourselves, is given in verse 19. We are suppressing the truth precisely because it's so clear, and we don't want it. We see it. We see God. We don't want it. It's not that God hasn't revealed enough of Himself to be worshipped. That's evident in creation. It's that He has and we don't want to. We don't want to. Our inability to see God's worth is what's revealed by our sin. That's how God sees it. Notice that word for in verse 19. It's, it's giving you a because We sin because what can be known about God at even the most basic level of comprehension by just looking at creation around us in verse 20. That He alone is worthy of worship. It's plain to us because God has shown it to us. If a person, if a being, can make what we see in the natural world with the word of His mouth, He is worthy of all our worship. Every human, this is plain to all of us. God has shown it to all of us. Why do we sin? Because we're idolaters. Because we've made other gods in an attempt to suppress the true God. Right? Lust makes a God out of bodies. The love of money makes a God out of wealth. The desire for autonomy makes a God out of individualism and on and on and on and on it goes. Lying makes a God out of whatever we think will escape by not telling the truth, because in that moment, it's more important that we get what we want than it is that we obey the truth that we ought not lie. And God says, that, I'm not angry because you lied about the cookie jar. I'm angry because you lied about the cookie jar is an expression of your worship of yourself, just like eating the fruit was in the garden. The scripture tells us the three ways Eve said, I want that and I don't care what God has said. I will rule myself. I will do what I want to do. In verse 20, though, God has shown us his invisible attributes. Isn't that amazing? Shown us invisible attributes through creation. Because every person knows that things don't come from nothing. Right? Why does then no one... Because that's an amazing thing to say. Why does no one have an excuse before God that will get them out of wrath? Because creation at the very least makes it evident that there is a God who is worthy of all our worship. The theory of evolution doesn't come from serious scientific study. Serious scientific study that's objective is no threat to Scripture or to God. It only confirms what we know to be true. That the designer is infinitely amazing and wise and powerful. That's what science reveals. Praise God for science. So the theory of evolution and all the theories about there not being a God or there being hundreds of gods and your truth is your truth and you decide what you want. Again, unless of course you're a serial killer, please don't follow your heart if you're a serial killer, but we don't. It's not consistent. It doesn't come from serious scientific study. It comes from hearts that don't want to be accountable to one true God. And God reveals that by denying him to embrace ourselves as the be all and the end all, we become corrupt down to our bones and it ruins our lives, our relationships, our homes, our towns and the world because we don't worship God. God's eternal power and His divine nature, those two things about Him, have been made evident enough in the world and the cosmos He's created with only the word of His mouth that all people everywhere should at least be able to say whoever did this is worthy of everything. I I think we've, we've come to think that Religion came out of this like inability to explain reality. And so it was very ancient and it's it's old and archaic to be religious because religion comes from a time when you didn't have books and you didn't have teachers or colleges or, you know, cameras and all these things that capture all this stuff. And so, but beloved, religion comes from reality. That there is something there. And if it can do that, I should worship it. Or I'm at least going to have to answer to it if it decides that's the case, right? That much is clear just in the beautiful hills of West Virginia when the leaves turn. And you get that mosaic driving down the narrows and up Route 2 and it just takes your breath away, right? That, that's enough to say, all right, who did this? Who created this? Who made that the cycle of seasons, God's eternal power and divine nature are evident in those things. Enough that we know we're accountable and we ought to worship Him. Sin does not have its root then. not saying the things I'm about to say don't affect how we sin. Of course they do. The Bible teaches that sin, however, does not have its root in our upbringing, our circumstances, our surroundings. It wouldn't matter what those things are. We will still be sinners. Sin has its root in our desire to suppress God in order to serve and worship and honor and please ourselves. We are under condemnation apart from Jesus because we would rather gratify ourselves without reservation, no matter what it means, no matter how much harm it does, no matter what it costs, we would rather gratify ourselves than honor God. Romans one 18 through 18-32 completely levels the playing field of humanity. Completely puts us all on one giant horrible boat. From the smallest lies to the most heinous murderers, we are idolaters. We kill, cheat, gossip, lie, disobey, steal because we desire something more than we want to honor God. And God says that is idolatry every time you do it, no matter how it comes out. God says human beings worship what They desire we, we don't we don't think about that right That that to desire something is a form of worship When we say yes to what we want we're making a valuation This is worthy of whatever. I'm about to give it And it doesn't mean you can't have any desires What it means is that we need to know what our desires are telling us about ourselves at the very least And we need the Spirit of God in us, which He is in all who believe, free of charge. It's a gift of God. We need the Spirit teaching us, guiding us, because we're so damaged and corrupt that we will take something God has made and worship it. It's like when you, when you, when, have you ever shown a little kid something amazing and you're like, look, look, and what do they stare at? Your finger. You're like, no, 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 not, not me. Look, look, look. Right. That's what sin is. Everything is, is doing this, everything. And we're looking at we worship the finger. We worship the trees. We worship the person. We whatever it is. This is who we are. That's what the Bible's telling us. That this is why everybody in this room is as in need of the gospel as everybody else in the room, and everybody outside of it. We are suppressing the truth about God with every lie that we tell ourselves in order to get what we want and justify it. That's what's wrong with us. It's often said that if God revealed more of himself, right? If he would just show up and prove himself, we could believe. We say that because we're liars. Well, if God would just prove himself, have you seen a sunrise? I wish God would speak to me. Look Around. Pick up a Bible, right? And I, I we Christians aren't talking down to people that reject God. Our message is what it is because it's the only thing that will awaken people. The gospel is the only thing that creates faith, beloved. Paul says God has made himself abundantly clear enough in creation to at least say, okay, I need to figure out what to do here because this God that made all this is amazing and I'm probably going to have to give an account to him or answer to him. I'm not existing on my own, so what do I do? And then Acts tells us that where you and I live literally and where we make our homes and where we that we're there because people are coming to this realization and they're groping in the darkness, they're not seeking God yet. But they're seeking something for which only we, only the church, has the cure. We make up ideas like the Big Bang because if no one is responsible for all this majesty, then there's no one to answer to. Just call that what it is. I want to do what I want and answer to no one for it, ism. That's the religion of the world. And we infect our schools with it and our media with it and our arts and our entertainment and politics with it. Also, we can rule ourselves, reign over ourselves, not have to recognize God. Nietzsche wrote, Frederick Nietzsche, the German author, philosopher, he's very famous for saying God is dead. And, you know, I think that was on the cover of Time magazine in the early or mid-20th century. And so Nietzsche's this demon in our minds. He said God is dead. There's a context for Nietzsche saying God is dead. Nietzsche is railing against churches that aren't preaching the glory of God. He said, we killed him. God is dead. We killed him. We we took away all the wonder, all the majesty, all the need that we have of the gospel and made it about law and works and appearances and we killed him. I don't think Nietzsche was a believer, but he saw that very clearly. We haven't stopped worshiping idols. We've just changed their names. The indescribable power of God and the reality of the fact that He's so high above us He's in another class is evident in waterfalls and mountains and lions. Watch a slow motion video of a lion running. They're just amazing animals. Sharks, oceans, valleys, the colors of leaves in the fall. Like I said, the beauty of snow-covered forests or trees early in the morning. We know enough to know that we owe everything to something higher. And since we do know that, we want to know what are human beings, what are we actually like? Since we know that's the case, we suppress it. We suppress it. We push it down. La, 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 it's not true. My truth is true. That's not true. There is no God. That's what we do. That's a human being since the fall. Christians, are. we Christians, we're still doing this. With more light. Every time we sin. And we sin all the time. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's big or small. What matters is that every sin reveals that I am an idolater. And if I am not saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, I stand condemned. So Jesus, keep me. Be a fence around me. Be a rock for me. Or I will die. This is who we are. This is why only the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Right? Why are all people everywhere without excuse in verse 21? Because although they knew God, you see that, they knew God was there. We know he's there. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That's what we did when we realized, oh, there's a God. Even though it's clear there's a God, we don't want to honor Him. We aren't thankful to Him. The fact that God exists, see, just the fact that God exists demands our honor, our worship, and our thanksgiving that we would rather give to anything and everything but Him. And when we hear that, you hear what I'm saying? It, it, it makes us mad. It's kind of offensive, right? I, I, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be made. Why does God think, who does he think he is to demand worship from me and gratitude from me and honor from me exactly? Right? We do not honor him as God when we hear the truth about him. We complain and gripe and rebel. You can't, we can't escape these things. We treat God like any other person that thinks they're better than us. The difference is that God is better than us. He's actually worthy of what He's requiring to the extent that if to not give it is not neutral or a choice that we make, it's sin. It's idolatry. We're created beings. This is the way it is. We're not talking about Zeus or Odin or Maui or Allah. We're talking about a real God. And before any of us act high and mighty and have the nerve to be offended that God would demand so much without even asking us, just think about how much we all love it. If a child questions us like that, just imagine, hey, it's bedtime. Excuse me. Who told you that you could tell me when to go to bed? I want you to imagine that your five-year-old says that to you with a straight face. Right? Everybody in this room knows. That. What? That's the, like it would be so shocking because we all know that's ridiculous. Why? Well, because I made them. I'm a parent. I'm older than them. Ah, so we do get it. We do get it. Yet this is precisely what we do to God. That's what sin is. There's a creator. We know this and we tell him to kick rocks. The exaltation of the self at the expense of everyone else. Right? That's our world today. The use of science to deny God's existence. Racism. Classism. The denial of gender. Gender. The denial of sexuality, the undermining of the family, it's all sin. And it all has its root in one thing. God, you did not create us. You don't own us. And even if you did, we don't care. Sin is saying no to God. that's, That's what it is. And I know that because I do it. It's suppressing the truth so that we can keep believing lies and do anything and everything in this life but honor and worship God. By not honoring God or giving thanks to Him, by not worshiping the only one worthy of worship and suppressing the truth in verse 21, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, instead of living with God as our point of reference, with God as the source and substance of all truth, instead, because that would level us out, our thinking has become worthless, worthless, which ends up in worthless things in a worthless world and culture. Right? When we are suppressing truth rather than embracing it, our thinking has no value whatsoever. It it, it accomplishes nothing that will save us, that will move us towards the center who is God. And without God as the center, our thinking will become so ridiculous will look truth in the face and deny it. We Look, we've already seen this, and it's such a prevalent example in my head because right now it's the talk of everything. Can you define what a woman is? I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Okay. I, I, can you even, like, how do you argue with that? What difference would it make if you argued with facts? They they They've just been denied. So that's not what we're arguing from. will eventually go insane when we reject God. And these foolish hearts that he's talking about here in Ephesians 4.18, Paul says they become darkened. They become willfully blind to the truth. They claim denying God makes them wise in their own estimation, right? But they become fools. Look, Stephen Hawking is way smarter than I am. But if he denies God... He's a fool. That's that's the playing field we're on here. We exchange divine glory for self manufactured glory, the gifts over the giver in verse 23. Sin is the madness of believing, of honestly believing that settling for secondhand glory is better than worshiping true glory because at least it means I'm the boss. It is, as C.S. Lewis said, sin, I'm actually not sure of the complete context, I can't remember, but sin is like a child making mud pies in the slums and preferring it because he has no idea what a holiday at sea is like, right? That, that's humanity in its sinfulness. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So as a result of our willful denial of God in verse 24, God gave us up to the deceitful desires of our own hearts. That is to impurity and actually the dishonoring of our bodies. When we think we're preserving them, we're dishonoring them. To reject God, to not honor Him or give thanks to Him, is to deny our own humanity. That we are made in the image of God, equal, male and female. I watched a video yesterday, showed it to my wife, of of this mixed-gender MMA fight, mixed martial arts. The, the very skilled male fighter, very skilled female fighter. And the guy beat the living tar out of this woman. There's nothing to brag about here. Stop. Stop with this gender like quit it. Women and children will suffer because men are horrible. We're all horrible. Like we have to wake up to the need that we have for God to govern everything because we get insane if we don't. We'll lose everything when we turn from God. We often hear people say that if America isn't careful, right? God was, he's going to pour out his wrath on us. Beloved, God's wrath is being poured out on the entire unbelieving world every second of every day in the form of us having free will. We have it, but we're corrupted, so it's a curse pastor I like so much named Donovan Riley says that God's wrath feels like free will you want to worship sex drugs and rock and roll you can have it that's God's wrath go ahead your nature is so wicked you deny what is obviously clear you know what you have at it go ahead be free choose what you want and when you wake up to the fact that that is killing you I'll be standing right here with the gospel The state of our entire world today is the result of God giving us free will in his wrath. The human soul was never meant to exist without a governor, beloved. We were not created to rule ourselves or worship ourselves or exist by and for ourselves. But because of our sinful nature, we've decided that's what we want. And in wrath, God says, here, have it. We asked for our inheritance early, just like the prodigal son. And God gave it to us. And look at us. Look at what we've become. Look at where we are. You say, well, I don't, I'm not a part of it. Yeah, we are. We're all a part of it. Because we exchanged the truth of God for lies and have decided to worship everything but Him, most of all ourselves. All sin is idolatry, it's an exchange of worship and service to the things we want. Rather than to God himself. God giving us over to the desires of our hearts in wrath is not a gift. Free will is not a gift for people who will deliberately use their ability to choose to suppress the truth in unrighteousness and with God. There's a reason that free will is so exalted and celebrated in the, in, in the world. Right? Because we, that's what we wanted. Our autonomy. I really like Mumford and Sons. I love their music, right? And you have your choices. These are what make men great. Our ladder to the stars. Are they? They're doing swimmingly our choices in creating a, a wonderful world filled with peace and love and happiness. This isn't a gift. But of course, we we think we think it is because we think our humanity is so great. But the fact of the matter is that ability to be to, the free will—that's wrath. That's wrath. I mean, it's 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 right here. This has been in the Bible the whole time. I promise. God has made it so that literally the only thing that will save us is Jesus for us in the gospel. No one is being thrown into hell against their will. Nobody. We're sprinting into hell, celebrating our autonomy, our our autonomy, rather than recognizing that our autonomy has condemned us. The fact that our will is bound to our sinful nature does not mean we aren't free to make choices. We absolutely are free to do whatever we want. What it means to have a bound will is that what our heart wants, our mind will justify every time. That's what it is to be free. Lord, save me from myself. I believe, help my unbelief. And since there was, there's never a moment we stop wanting things, we never stop justifying things. Do we realize how badly we need to cry out to God to be rescued when we hear this? Do we know the state we're in when we justify whatever we want and whatever we think? Believers, when we give in to our desires to this day, rather than submitting to God, no matter how big or small the sin is, we are proving that we are still human. We're still in the flesh and we are actively, willingly waging war against our redeemed souls. As Peter says, and we are in such need of God's mercy, we can't even grasp it. We think the big deal is the act or the word or the thought that actually comes out when the real issue is the idolatry in all of us that keeps making us choose against him by our own free will. Our wills are captive to our flesh and our flesh is evil because it resists God. Paul will go on to say later in chapter 3 that no one chooses God. And the reason for that is Romans 1. And all Paul is doing is quoting the Psalms there. We can't and we won't choose God unless he intervenes. Because our choices are bound to sin and resistance. The only thing we can contribute to our salvation is sin and resistance. Our bound up wills are in bondage to sin and death and the devil. So let us not so cheapen God's graces to make it attainable at any given moment by the free choice of sinful, God dishonoring, truth suppressing people. Right? There's not a little bit of light in here. Not in the flesh. It's pure darkness. Every time. Romans is telling us that we are free to make our choices. Absolutely. But since we're sinners by nature, whom God has condemned with the ability to choose according to our natures, we will never use our free will to choose God. So we need delivered from God's wrath by God's mercy. And the gospel proclaims that God will do this for all who receive his son. This is written precisely so we will all cover our mouths, bow our heads and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, I am undone. If this gospel isn't the absolute heaven sent, God wrought, Jesus purchased miracle, Paul says it is, if salvation isn't by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, no one is going to be saved. No one. No one will want to be God does not proactively harden us to Him because He's cold. Absolutely not. He hardens us in wrath because that's what we want. That's what sin of any and every kind says. Not you, me. God doesn't cause sin. He lets sinners do what they want to do. And what they want to do unless he intervenes is reject him and worship and serve the creation rather than the creator. That is who we are by nature. That is why we need salvation. That is why the gospel is always relevant even in the church. Maybe especially in the church where we somehow get it in our heads that we're contributing something to our salvation. We need the gospel as Paul preached it because that's how Jesus preached it. We can't simultaneously gripe to God that we must have free will and then get mad because He judges us according to the choices we make. That Right? I mean, do we see how foolish we are because we want what we want so badly? For this reason, in verses 26 and 27, right? God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So we all start to say, Ah, okay, he's talking about homosexuals. Not me. He's talking about those crazy people. Does what Paul is saying here apply only to a certain class of immoral people? No. First of all, Because his point here is clearly the comprehensive wrath of God being poured out on all humans, all of us, right? His point here is not to single out or even to belittle homosexuals. So, why does he single out homosexuality here? What's the point of all the sins, what's the point of of singling that one out? John Warwick Montgomery talks about how in the case of homosexual sin in particular, wrath or judgment comes as an automatic and internal punishment on a person. What he means, I think, is there are some sins in Scripture, most in fact, where apparently you will have to wait until the last judgment before you pay for it. But not this one. You're going to pay for it by doing it. That's that's the first thing, first point Paul is making here. In the case of homosexual sin, one is doing the judgment that this is going to kill you and hurt you. They're doing that to themselves, right? This sin tragically ruins a whole person. Their their bodies will suffer directly from what they're doing to themselves, right? The, the constantly sinning against your body is something unique in Scripture, according to First Corinthians six. And and not all sins are like that. They're not immediate in their payment, right? In fact, for what it's worth, the term queer, right? That 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 used to have a different meaning, but it's used because our language recognizes that they a, a person has become literally queer. Something is off something is different their literal personality has become twisted and they can't see what they're doing to themselves they they think that they're gratifying themselves and finally I'm being who I want to be and I can do what I want they can't see what they're doing the the due penalty for such an error is death the Bible is teaching death is the wage that sin pays but in some cases it pays it much sooner and much more directly Why is homosexuality the first specific sin? Because he's going to talk about more. But why is homosexuality the specific sin that Paul deals with first in Romans? Of all the sins he could have picked to illustrate the sinful condition of mankind in his idolatry. He identifies a sin that even more clearly than all the others proves the point about how we are all idolaters. Homosexuality uniquely proves that in a visible, tangible way that other sins tend not to. Homosexuality is a fundamental example of how we are enslaved to idolatry. Notice what Paul is saying here. Perversion on the human level is analogous to idolatry on the spiritual level. And what greater expression of love for self Is there than not even wanting to be intimate with the opposite gender? Right? Is there anything that more clearly says we worship ourselves as humans than this particular sin? I don't even want the opposite gender. If I'm going to be intimate with something, if I'm going to give myself to something, it's going to look like me. It's going to be me. Right? They have to be what I am. Now, the highest analogy between Christ and the church is the relationship between husband and wife in Ephesians 5, right? Homosexuality would be the opposite of that analogy. It's the breaking of the kind of relationship that ought to exist on the earth and helps the earth thrive and be fruitful and multiply. It's a fundamental denial of a willingness to do even that, right? If true worship is parallel with marriage... Idolatry is uniquely parallel with homosexuality. That's what Paul is saying. If, if you want proof that we worship ourselves, look at that, right? That's one expression of it. That's a very clear expression of it. And a very clear expression of wrath being poured out now because you can't run that way for too long. So the homosexual issue is a lot more profound, I think, than, than we might even believe. Right? It's not just unnatural, right? It's, and therefore it's wrong. The point is not that it's gross. That's not the point and we don't want to be like that towards people that are sinning in that way. Right? We don't want to be like that. That a homosexual society would be the clearest sign of idolatry on the earth. So God has sent His Son to save them as He has to save us. So the solution here is not to engage in a culture war with homosexuals. That That's not what we're here for. No, they need to hear the gospel, just like everybody else. All Paul is explaining is, here's how that sin shows your idolatry. And it shows it so clearly, I'll use that as an example, so that you know I'm not crazy. Right? Different levels of repercussions based on the sin that you do. If you break into a home with a gun and the gun owner has or the homeowner has a gun, your sin may be paid for a lot quicker than if you're downloading a code to transfer money to your account, right? In the privacy of your home. This particular sin has a certain impact on a culture, though, how it uniquely and blatantly serves the self at the expense of God. And how that influences a whole society to do the same in a very powerful way. Right? But do take note here, I'm trying to go quick, of how Paul continues to make his main point here that all sin is idolatry. Right? He doesn't stop there. that's, That's not even the point. For which the only answer could be that this God we've spurned would decide to be gracious to us despite the choices that we make. That's the hope of humanity. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. This is everybody now. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. Yep, that's on the list in Romans 1. So the minute you get haughty about homosexuality, just make sure you never talk. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. We know that inside. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We will be victimized by others in a world filled with people like that, but we've made ourselves the victims of our own sins also. We know what our sin deserves, beloved. We all know, but we do it anyway because our thinking is debased. That is, we've lost the ability to judge ourselves correctly because we're suppressing the truth in order to fulfill our own desires. And this leads to sin and more and more sin. And to prove that, Paul gives more examples here of the fruits of our idolatry. In fact, our minds are so debased that we not only approve of what we want to do, Even when it's evil and sinful, we cheer others on in it too. Because yes, if you're doing that and I'm doing this, then we're free from God. So have at it. Be as debased as you want to be. The more the better. Why do you think there's dancing and parading around in some of these things? Because we're very proud of this. We're excited that God doesn't see. God's not going to do anything. You're doing what He's doing right now. That's God's wrath on you. Because you are going to die in that state. Forever. All sin is evidence of God's wrath. Of the fact that we don't honor God or give thanks to Him, but instead do what we want. We deny His truth and we worship everything we want and anything but Him. From homosexuality and murder to bragging and gossip and disobeying our parents. All sin is idolatry. All of it is evidence of God's wrath. Do we see how badly we need the good news? Because we all know God's righteous decree that those who live like this deserve death. And we keep on doing these things and approving of others doing these things anyway. We are so crooked we can't even see straight. Christians, don't live like you're still under God's wrath. You're not. We're not. So why keep making the choice to sin? We no longer are under his reign, under Madam Sin's reign anymore. King's sin, whatever you want to call him. How desperately we need Christ to be for us this morning, what he is for the worst of sinners. Paul's argument is that if you don't receive Jesus Christ, then you're crazy. That's what he's saying. Paul is writing so that every human being will stand before God and say what Paul says of himself later in Romans 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Because even though I'm saved and justified, and I know the right thing to do now, I can't do it, and I don't do it. So, Christians aren't former sinners. We were formerly under God's wrath. That's what's different about us. And we have been freed by His declaration of our forgiveness, by grace through faith in His Son. The gospel is God's announcement to the people in verses 18 and 32 that they can be forgiven. 18 to 32, that they can be forgiven of what we cannot atone for on our own and don't really want to. So the prayer now is, Lord Jesus, crush me, chisel me so that I will cling to you. This is who we are. That thing hanging on the wall behind me, up there, that's who Jesus is for you, for this. He came because he knew we were like this. This didn't make him turn away from us. Because he is who he is by nature, it sent him to us. Christ for you, as a sinner, for me, a sinner like this. This is the gospel, and it's yours for the taking, and it's free.